Okay, so I am um, using a lot of metaphors today. So, whoops. So just a warning. I found this. I was like, oh, I wonder if they have a warning about how many metaphors. <laughs> so um, I'm going to be using a lot of metaphors. Some of them are going to be kind of mixed in together, but I think it all makes sense and it all come together. So here we go. It's been a while since I've been up here. Like, I think it's probably been January. So get back in the groove. All right. So have you ever been out on a boat on a lake and the wind is blowing a bit? and you turn the engine off, what happens? Anybody? You drift. Yep, you're going to drift. And you could end up far from where you want to be and even running, the running aground if you're not paying attention. I was out on a friend's boat um, last week. We were on Clam Lake because Torch Lake was so windy. And uh, we anchored in the middle to try to eat our Subway sandwiches. And um, we didn't know the ground was the bottom was mucky underneath, so we didn't even get our six-inch sub finished, and our boat had drifted and was almost, you know, to shore. They were like, pull up the anchor. We've got to move this quick. You know, by the time we get the anchor up, like, we were almost in, you know, in shallow water. So it doesn't take long, and you can be drifted right over. Have you ever been on a river in a canoe or a kayak and stopped paddling? What happens? Anybody? You drift. You drift. And, um, and it doesn't take long. Um, the river is moving fast. And times, uh, at times, I don't even have time to open, set my paddle down and open my bottle of water before my kayak wants to move over and run into a tree laying down over the river. Has anyone in here ever flown a plane before? Nicholas has flown a plane before. Awesome. Okay. So... When you're flying a plane, if you fly into the fog or the clouds, what happens if you don't pay attention to your instruments? You could drift, right? You could drift. And you could end up moving off course, you know, and I'm aiming for New York City, and instead I end up in Tallahassee, because if your instruments, you know, if you're not paying attention to your instruments and you can't see, then you're getting off course. Or you could actually end up in a nosedive and you don't even know it. Has anyone picked up on the theme of what we're talking about today? Drifting. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. So Hebrews 2.1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So just like a boat on the water or a plane in the fog, we can drift and end up so far from where we need to be. And, you know, when we drift in life, it's not like we wake up one morning and decide that we're going to compromise or sin or start a new addiction today. We don't say, it's going to be great. Um, I'm going to take some action on some desires, create some unhealthy habits, maybe do some sin and see if I can hurt the people closest to me in my life because this addiction is important to me. Uh, but I've got to be secretive about it so that the Lord and my people don't, don't know what's going on. They, they don't notice. Now, obviously, we don't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, that's not how it works. A compromise here and some deception from the enemy there. And little by little, we drift from our path until we wake up one day on the riverbank. We stopped paddling, and we didn't use our instruments. And now we're struggling to get back on the right course. 
we must pay the most careful attention. We must pay the most careful, what must we pay the most careful attention to? To what we've heard. So what have we heard? The word therefore should always make you think about looking back to what is happening before the verse. So if you ever read a verse and it says, therefore, look back to the section before that and see what it's saying. So we're going to look back um, to Hebrews chapter 1, because Hebrews, this verse, Hebrews chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1, stands on the shoulders of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews is written to Christ-following Jews, and the author is explaining who Jesus is and that he's greater than the angels, and that the salvation that Jesus brings is greater than the salvations that the angels announced, which was the law of Moses. So oops. let's read Hebrews chapter 1, uh, 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So what have we heard? That the God of the universe has spoken to us through his son, who is greater than the Old Testament prophets, Jesus was made heir of all things, and through him, God created the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, and everything has life and is held up by his powerful word. After Jesus purified us from sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is who we worship. This is who we follow. This is who shines on us, gives us life, and sustains us forever. This is what we have heard. We don't want to drift away from Jesus. So pay careful attention. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Proverbs 4, 23 to 27. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let's read uh, verse 25 together. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So we verse 27 together. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Who here um, has, uh, while driving a car or riding a bicycle, um, has looked at something off to the side and drifted right to where you're looking. Um, and then uh, when I was little and learning how to ride a bike, um, I was looking right at my mailbox and I ran right into my mailbox um, because my eyes were fixed on it. So if you're in a car, you might drift over and you hit those rumble strips and they snap you back to attention. Um, and you correct course before you run off the road or before you cross the center line into opposing traffic. The rumble strips warn you before you drift too far. So what has your attention? Because what we pay the most careful attention to is what we drift towards. I'm going to say that again. Because what we pay the most careful attention to is what we drift towards. So is it Jesus? 
Or is it a myriad of other things? I'm going to name a few things, but it can be anything. Is it busyness, money, leisure, addictions, anger, resentment, keeping up with others, politics, entertainment, social media, hobbies, traditions, or even the people in our life? And the list can go on and on because it includes everything that isn't Jesus. What takes top priority in your life? Not all of these things are bad in themselves. God wants me to, God wants me to care for my kids and to teach them who he is and what he's done for us. But do you want to know something that I f- fixed my eyes on that made me drift? It was my kids and all the busyness. Not my kids themselves, but all the busyness with my kids and my focus on them. Again, it's not bad to do that, those activities, and I'm really glad that I got to do those with them. Um, but during that time, my eyes weren't always on Jesus. And I made excuses about why I didn't have time to study the Bible and focus time um, for prayer and hearing from him. My spiritual growth was slow and almost stagnant because I was overly busy. God was this piece that I tried to fit into my life instead of fitting my life around him. And I tell you what, social media can do the same thing when my eyes are on it too much. I start to feel envy and discontent, and I'm drifting into sin with my envy, and I don't have time left in the day to meditate on God's word and course correct, and my heart drifts a little further from God. We're going to read James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Desire isn't sin. It's not wrong to have desires. But our desires are what temptation plays on. Desire gets twisted and gives birth to sin. When our eyes are fixed on our desires and not on Christ, then desire um, gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And I don't want that. And I know you don't want that. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we stay on the path with him. We grow and we're spiritually healthy and in close, intimate relationship with God. We can keep moving forward through the winds of life and avoid some troubles altogether because we aren't caught up in the weeds. Jesus is our safety and peace when the winds want to push us around. So, if we find that we're drifting, we need to course correct. If I'm in my kayak, I'm going to have to pick up my oar and start paddling. So I brought a visual reference today. Because I know that when I see visual uh, illustrations, I tend to remember them. So, this is my kayak paddle. And um, every day, I have to participate in my own spiritual well-being. So remember that. I have to participate in my own spiritual well-being. This paddle represents our own spiritual well-being, our participation in it. Um, So if you find that you're drifting, pick up your paddle. Um, I have to pick up my oar every day and pay careful attention to fix my eyes on Jesus and paddle towards him. So how do we course correct and how do we keep ourselves from drifting again? 
Depending on where you are, you may need a small correction. Uh, maybe those rumble strips snapped you back to attention. And maybe you are halfway across the lake, stuck on the shore, and it's going to take some help to get you unstuck and back on the path. Be honest with yourself and with the Lord. When we deny or minimize, it pushes us further off course. He already knows where you are, and he has his eyes fixed on you. He doesn't want anyone to be stuck or lost, but it takes us being honest and confessing any sin to get out of that place. So if you are in sin, remember, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Because we all sin and we all drift. Like the hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we won't even realize that we're drifting. You may have thought that you wouldn't drift. That you could just coast for a bit. Um, After all, I've learned about the Bible since I was a child. He healed my arm once, and that was a miracle. So I know who he is, and I can coast for a bit. Um, My Bible will still be there tomorrow, and it'll still be there the next day. But we can't coast on what we've learned of the Lord in the past or on encounters and experiences that we've had with the Lord without continuing to intentionally live in relationship with him. Remember, we have to take up that oar and actively participate in our spiritual growth so we can become mature in Christ. Back to the airplane metaphor. What instruments do we need to guide us when we are blind in the fog? We're going to go through those now. That's on your paper to fill in. So the first instrument on our panel that we need is Holy Spirit. These aren't I mean, well, Holy Spirit's God, so he's at the top. Um, But listing these out isn't necessarily in order. I just listed four. So Holy Spirit, we have God's presence dwelling within us. He equips us to navigate our lives in Christ. Jude 1, 20 to 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love. Be diligent and intentional. Don't drift. Number two, prayer. Talking to God himself. We have a good father who is full of grace and mercy. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possessed. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus empathizes with our weaknesses. He understands the struggles. We can boldly go to him for forgiveness. He doesn't shame us or condemn us. He restores us. And that's good news. 
I recently read again the um, biblical account in John 8 about the woman caught in adultery. And um, so the, um, and it just reminded me of God's, uh, Jesus's compassion. So the Pharisees um, dragged this woman in that was caught in adultery. Where the man is that was also in adultery, I don't know. But they dragged the woman in to stand before Jesus and all the people he was talking to in the temple. So here's this woman shamed in front of everybody right here in the temple um, because of her sin. And the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus, and they said, um, uh, Master, uh, Moses says that we're to stone those that are caught in adultery. Um, what do you say? And Jesus bends down, and he writes on the ground and uh, draws on the ground, and people say, oh, you know, he was writing out their sins and things like that. We don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that. He might have just been taking some time to just let some silence think. Because sometimes people say things when they're silenced and they reveal themselves. Maybe he was praying and or thinking and formulating his words on how he want, what he wanted to say next. But he then says, um, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, and then he goes back to drawing on the ground. And one by one, they begin to leave, starting with the oldest. And Jesus looks up, and he looks at the woman, and he, he says, woman, where are your accusers? And he, she says, there's none. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that just stood with me because Jesus was the only one. Goodness. Jesus was the only one that could condemn her, and he didn't. He was the only one qualified to throw a stone, and he didn't. He gave her compassion. He forgave her. And he gave her, you know, a new lease. And he said, go and sin no more. And that's what he says to us. He comes, you know, he, he gives us that compassion. He doesn't condemn us. But he does tell us, go and sin no more. Go and don't drift into sin. Number three, the Bible, God's written word to us. We're going to read Romans 10, 17. Why don't you read it with me? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And we're going to read James 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is what a mirror looked like back in the first century. It wasn't like the mirrors that we have today. It was made of polished bronze. This is an antique, so it's not polished because patina is special. So, but this is what it looked like, polished bronze. Not everybody had a mirror, you know, just the wealthy had a mirror. So people didn't see themselves every day. They didn't have a mirror in their bathrooms and everywhere else. They couldn't look in their phone, you know, and 
uh, front camera to see if their hair was messed up or anything. It could be easy to forget who you were if you didn't, you know, maybe you look in some water and see. But it was kind of, it was a rare gift to look in one of these polished bronze mirrors. And looking into the word of God is like this rare special gift to look at yourself. To look intently into God's word and see who you are in Christ and how much he loves you. And then we walk away from that mirror of the word and do what it says, not forgetting whose we are. Are we reading God's word for ourselves? Have you read or listened to the Bible in the past week? How about the past month? Are you reading your Bible as much or more than you are reading about the Bible? I can, you know, fall into that a little bit. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of sermons, a lot of teachings um, about the Bible. And um, at the end of the day, I could be like, oh, I, I don't have time or I'm tired. I've learned a lot about the Bible today, but did I get in and read the Bible? Because, um, and, and there are a lot of good resources out there, and if you want some, I can recommend some to you. Um, but they shouldn't replace your Bible reading. You've got to dig in there and search out the treasures that God has for you personally. And this brings us back to Holy Spirit revelation. And that happens when we're in God's word. Number four, one another. Remember, we talked last year about our one another's, and we went through all those one another's um, in the New Testament. Our fellow believers, the church with capital Z, our spiritual family, we can't do this journey alone. We need one another. Helping, loving, bearing each other's burdens, confessing our sins to one another, praying for one another, and building each other up. We need help to help one another persevere. I'm going to read Hebrews 10, 36 to 39. We're going to talk about perseverance here for a minute. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but by my righteous, excuse me, and but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I think drifting is shrinking back. And we don't belong to those who drift, but to those who have faith. James 1, 2-4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And James 1 verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Persevere. So, let's sum up what we talked about today. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. When we do, 
We aren't looking at all the other distractions around us in this world. We aren't drawn into the winds of the world's culture. Don't become callous to sin. Keep your heart soft. Dive deep into God's word. Listen to his voice. Cut off and leave behind the things that try to pull you off course or catch your eye. Listen to Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Gather together with one another, and not just on Sundays. Encourage one another throughout the week. And I just want to say, none of this is about legalism. Um, It's not about, if I read my Bible for 15 minutes every day, then I've done my duty. Or if I forget and have a seriously busy day, and I can't read my Bible or have a specific time with the Lord, um, that I'm drifting and I feel condemned. And this isn't about condemnation and shame. Um, Sometimes we have those days. But is it consistently happening? You know, pray throughout your day while you're in your car. Listen to Holy Spirit. Listen to a Bible app. Watch your patterns. Uh, If every day is an extremely busy day, then you have to be creative with your available time or reassess some things. I understand some of you work long hours, um, but find that chunk of time to spend with Jesus. We all have a bit of time to spend with Jesus. So if you're drifting and you're struggling with repetitive sin of any kind, please, please ask for help. I'm here. The rest of the pastoral team is here. And um, your fellow believers are here. And what we can't help you with, we have good resources and counselors that we can refer you to. We want to walk alongside you. And I want all of us to be healthy, mature followers of Christ, following after Christ because we so passionately love him that there's no way um, that we want our hearts to drift from him because we love him so, so much. So let's read Philippians 3. 7 to 21, as a final word of encouragement today. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the followers of Christ in Philippi, and I want you to just hear it spoken to you today. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. We take up our oars. We press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point 
you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Yes, let it be. So take up your oars. I put a few questions on the end of your sheet for you to just take home and reflect on. Um, you know, where, think about what have you fixed your eyes on? Where have you drifted? And what's one step even that you can take to get back on course? Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you. You are so good. And Lord, we fix our eyes on you. Show us, Lord, where we've drifted. Because where we may be fixed on you in one area of our life, Lord, I know that there's another area that's drifting. And it takes work and we need your strength. But we choose to paddle hard towards you. Not striving. Because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. But fixing our eyes on and staying with you. Keep our eyes from getting distracted to the left or to the right, that we stay focused on you. Reveal our hearts, Lord. Reveal our hearts. Bring them into the light so that we can work on all those messy things, pull up all those roots that we can get rid of those things that pull us to the side. We thank you for your compassion, for your love, that you don't condemn us and shame us, but that you forgive us. Our life is in you, and we love you. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.